Even though some people would say we've been very pessimistic this offseason, I feel nothing but optimism right now because hockey season is starting, training camps are wrapping up, preseason games have happened, September's almost over, and that means the Kings are back. How are you doing tonight, Vardy? I'm doing good. I'm I'm freaking out a bit right now because uh, I'm next up in our fantasy draft that we're doing as we do this podcast. We're we're pushing the envelope of how podcasting is done. We're multitasking like no one's ever multitasked before. Full hockey exposure in the form of podcasting about hockey and doing our live, uh, what is it, 14 teams in this league fantasy draft? I got to tell you, I don't think this was the best idea. Um. <laughs> I am I'm panicked. <laughs> I am <laughs> bewildered. So basically, we're going to uh, gonna talk Kings, obviously. That's what we do. Uh, but at the same time, mm-hmm, we're going to be mm-hmm. drafting... In our fantasy league, and we'll kind of just for funsies, we'll talk about who we're drafting because Vardy's up right now. Um, I'm gonna let him draft, and then and then we can go into the Kings talk. All right. So I should let everyone know that there, this is a keeper league. So don't be freaked out by who I happen to pick here, because there's like no one left anyway. Well, not even that, but there's just you know <laughs> there's a lot of thought to be put into this. Right. Right. Oh uh, man. Too. And, Crap. Okay. <laughs> hey, that's not a bad pick. Craig Anderson. Not Every, a bad pick. Everyone, I have just picked Craig Anderson. I should let everyone know that I had uh, Andre Vasilevsky as a keeper, Good keeper from last year. Good keeper for goalkeeper keeper. Um, and I needed a second keeper because I didn't have a keeper keeper beyond Vasilevsky as my keeper keeper. So now I have Craig Anderson. <laughs> Congratulations. You, Thank you. You did it. I did it. All, All right. right. All right. So until I pick, which is, I think, like eight away or a few away. Um, yes. Let's talk about training camp, Vardy. Uh, training camp's almost wrapping up, and there was a bunch of cuts on the Kings, and cuts meaning they were sent down to the AHL or released from PTO. So let's kind of talk about it. I, I don't know if we should go through the whole thing, but anyone that jumps out to you as a surprise? Uh, well, okay. I mean, I guess Gravel in some ways, given that he was on the team for such a long time last season and I thought he took some strides and obviously maybe it was, um, because we had no better option at the moment, but you know, he played a a healthy amount. I want to say three quarters, if not more of the season. And I thought at that point he would have probably secured himself at least a six, seven spot. So I was kind of surprised that he was cut. I get the implications in that he's not waiver, uh, exposable or does not have to be exposed to waivers, I should say. And so maybe that makes it easier to send him down than someone else. But I thought maybe he had earned a little more uh, leash, shall we say, with the coaching staff. Um, So in that sense, it's kind of surprising. In a different sense of surprising, um, to see Michael Mersch waived, I think was... I don't know if surprise is the right word, but it was kind of one of it was one of those, huh? So it finally happened kind of things, um, because I've, I mean, we've been hearing about Michael Mersh as one of the Kings' prospects now for five years, if not more, um, and he was one of these guys that I think it's so funny because he was in the prospect pool for various reasons for so long that his particular play style was no longer effective or at least no longer in the plan of the Kings. I mean, he was he was tailor-made for that Lombardi-Sutter era of Kings hockey. Right. You know, the type where Dwight King makes it on your first line. And not to say that Michael Mersch doesn't have a higher ceiling than Dwight King. I certainly don't know where he would land. But And so now all of a sudden he goes from never having actually gotten past that bubble that we kept hearing he was right on the cusp of to being waived. So in that way, I think it was surprising. I, I think. think a few episodes ago we talked about how this was kind of his last chance with the Kings. And we also talked about the possibility of him being waived if he didn't make the team. And and there it is. So it sucks. And I, I know I mentioned on the previous episode when we talked about him, I hope he gets another, another opportunity elsewhere. I don't know. I, I have a feeling he's going to clear waivers. But when he does, or if he does, I, I do hope he gets an opportunity somewhere, whether that's a trade, what have you, if the Kings decide to move him, just to give him a chance, because I just feel like some team out there, and I'm looking at you, Las Vegas, 
might be able to give <laughs> might be able to just at least give him a look here and see what he can do. I think he's a power play type player. He's the type of player who's going to collect rebounds in front of the net. His skating is suspect. It's always been. You could call it, I guess, the knock on Michael Mersh is that he's heavy-footed and doesn't have the first few explosive steps that you kind of need in today's game to really, really stand out and make your way into onto an NHL roster. But like I said, a team like Vegas who doesn't really resemble an NHL roster right now uh, might be able <laughs> to give him an opportunity there. Um, but speaking of that, man, Jordan Nolan being waived. Now that, that surprised me, and I'll tell you why. is because... To me, and the, when I've watched the Kings as long as I have with him in the lineup, I felt he's he's a better player, at least in the offensive zone, than, I don't know, Kyle Clifford, Andy Andrioff. I think he's shown me more in terms of offense, but obviously uh, the organization didn't see it that way, and they're going to give Kyle Clifford that spot. Uh, Kyle Clifford probably has a does have locker room presence. The team probably does love him the guys probably do love him and all that i'm sure that goes a long way but uh, so i was a little surprised to see jordan nolan go because of all of all the bottom six forwards we have on the wing other than lewis he was probably one of my favorites if not my favorite yeah and i can i can understand that because he was one of those guys that you know we talked about i think a few episodes ago what it is that you're looking to get from your bottom six guys and and you want definitely some contributions on offense from them every once in a while. And I think Nolan was one of those guys that you could count on in some ways that when he was playing, every three to four games, he would come up with a big goal or some sort of an offensive play. He was always one of these guys that, that you know, you just you thought that maybe he had more tools than he was letting on, but just didn't have the toolbox to put them all together. Every once in a while, you'd see him dangle. Every once in a while, you'd see him take this, you know, beautiful shot top cheese and and score when you really needed it but it just wasn't consistent enough i think from from one game to the next um i agree i'm a little surprised he was cut given his history with the kings and everything uh i agree that i'm surprised he was cut over kyle clifford because i think his contributions to the team are more so than what when clifford brings on a regular basis um but on the flip side i i took the liberty to post this on our Twitter account was um, I, I do appreciate that they're not unwilling to make cuts like that. If they feel as though there's a younger player who can come in and fill that spot potentially um, and do a better job of it, because that's kind of been the problem with the Kings the last few seasons is that there's a log jam at these positions that we have guys that could be coming in, could be doing something different, could be doing it better. And we just haven't had a way to bring them into the roster because we just have so many of these bottom six guys that from the glory days of the 2012 and the 2014 Cup, we've had them under these long-term contracts and paying guys that we don't necessarily have to be paying them, you know, a million and a half dollars for something that a guy who makes half of that could probably do for just as well and with maybe a little bit more motivation because they want to earn a spot in, in the bigs. No, that it's fair and it's true. And I think that's ultimately what it comes down to is that, and even so, maybe it, it's just wanting just wanting a change sometimes you just want things to change sometimes you're just like is if it's not a no-brainer let's just move on you know what i mean if it's not a slam dunk let's just move on to the next thing and and i think for nolan he got claimed immediately um by buffalo where he has some ties there obviously with his dad coaching there and then his family's over there too his entire family so good for him i hope he does uh move forward with them and and continues his career i have always kind of like i said i've always liked him he's a good guy and also a good guy from all indications is jeff zadkoff but jeff zadkoff is now on waivers actually he cleared waivers he was on waivers he cleared waivers um which means that darcy kemper is likely i would say 99.9 he's your backup goalie yeah. going into the season i think jack campbell's probably going to go down to the ahl so yeah i mean there you go a couple of waiver moves but Actually, I want to sidetrack here. Speaking of goalies, did you hear about this uh, Kings goalie tryout for their emergency goalie going on? I did. Um, so just to give kind of a bit of a background. So every every NHL team has to have someone who's available to be an emergency backup in the event that they can't bring someone up from the minors um, to fill in the backup role. So say, for example, uh this, this happened more often when the Kings minor league affiliate was all the way in Manchester, which is half the reason why they moved him over to Ontario. But say your starting goaltender gets hurt and you have a back-to-back -back and you don't have time 
to bring in a backup goalie to back up your backup. Um, right. You need someone who can sit on the bench and be an emergency backup for that period of time. Now, obviously, with the Kings affiliate being in Ontario, I'm not exactly sure what circumstance would into, would mean that they wouldn't be able to bring up one of the guys to fill in as a backup. But the Kings have decided to make it uh, open to the fans for open tryouts for their emergency backup position should it somehow arise. Well, it's also a situation of if you know you have two goalies dressed – and if one and two both go down, you know, so that, that emergency backup is actually going to be in the building. Right. Like ready to but go at under, a moment's notice as well. But I was under the impression that if that happens, I don't know if, are they allowed to bring him down from the stands if, you, yes. if the game's already started? Interesting. Yes, because I didn't realize you, that. Do you, you remember, I think it was two seasons ago, maybe more, where Arthur Zerbe, who was the... I believe he's the Hurricanes goalie coach now. I'm not sure which team, but I want to say it's Carolina. And that makes sense given the goalie, him how, you know, right? He goalie went yeah. down, and he, and he he suited up and sat on the bench just in case. So it's not like there's a roster situation there where the NHL's like, no, you know, he's not on the roster or anything. So obviously, it's it's an emergency situation. Sure, anyone who can basically be competent in the position can can jump in and play. So I think that is part of it as well. Okay, so that, that that makes it even more interesting. That makes it more possible that someone could end up coming down from the stands and end up sitting on the right. King's bench <laughs> should Quick and whoever his backup ends up being this season, Darcy Kemper being the most likely candidate, end up going down for whatever reason. And so the Kings opened it up to open tryouts for people to show up and try out to be their emergency goaltender. Um I don't know if they're going to pay for their season tickets in that scenario where they get to just, you know, I would sit hope in the stands or if the person's going to have pay. to fend for themselves. Oh, no, I think he's going to be yeah. like down in the tunnel. I think he'll be okay. he'll be like with personnel and all that. I don't think he's going to be just chilling in the stands or anything. I think he's going to be treated somewhat like a player. Again, I'm guessing, but I, I have a hard time thinking he'd be just in the lower bowl, you know with a beer in his hand in the third period, he's like, I think we're good here. And then he gets called in. <laughs> That's a little problematic. You know what I mean? That's a little problematic for him. Yeah. He's sitting on the bench in full goalie gear, just kind of swaying back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I was looking at the photos. Some of the photos were online today. I could have sworn I recognized like two or three guys that I've played against. <laughs> From beer. <laughs> yeah. I've played against in the LA area. Good goalies, no doubt. But they looked, uh, they dug deep on all these guys. You know, it wasn't like, if you can play, come on down, open tryout. No, you need to submit an application. They had to, they were very thorough. Like, you have to have a background, you have to have played a certain level. So, there's, these are good goalies. It's not like there's right. any, you know, beginner, <laughs> you know, I'm just trying it out and I want to waste everyone's time and go try out. No, these are somewhat established goaltenders, at least up until, I would say, at the minimum, junior A or major junior something like that that's reassuring <laughs> yeah still, still but never happens but good for whoever gets picked i i was talking to i think the i think the entry criteria should basically be that even if you make that cut and you uh and you actually make it out on the ice luke's just standing there between the face-off dots and, and just has to rip a couple on you and if you could stop it then great and if you can't then you're automatically cut you no, know he's just no standing one's, there no one's stopping those shots that's right. Oh, no, I'm serious. Right. <laughs> I'm serious. He, I'm telling you, man, these guys, these old pros, they can still wire it. That's the last thing he's going to lose. I know he's 55. I know he's not a spring chick. <laughs> but, but I'm telling you, he's sniping those guys if he's shooting from the hash marks. And they are in a world of hurt. Their confidence is shattered right now <laughs> because it just went blocker side, top cheese, and they didn't even see it. So <laughs> I'd love it if he was a jerk about it too, because Luke is such a nice guy. And so they come up, they shake his hands, like, Hey, how you doing? Okay, get in, get in there. Let's let's give it a go. And he starts off with a couple softies just right into the pads and okay, ready. <laughs> and then dink and in. Okay, get that fog out. I don't want you here. Don't be going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's see how that turns yeah, out. Yeah, it's gonna be fun, whatever. I mean it's a and it's getting a lot of press actually, a lot of media around it, like it's a positive throughout i mean it's a good story the devils are doing it too it's not just the kings but i it's i think it's a cool idea i mean really are these guys going to be any worse than if archers Urbe had to step into that game like realistically speaking or i remember colorado was close one time and and patrick law was coaching them and he's like yeah i'll suit up if i have to 
Hmm. You know what I mean? I think that would have been far worse than a twenty-something-year-old guy who who didn't make it pro. I, he might he might hold up. Well, more power to him. Let's see how they let's see how it turns out. What I'm trying to say is I'm jealous that I don't have <laughs> such an opportunity to go. At the very least, yeah. I would just I would just take some selfies and go home. You know what I mean? Nothing crazy. I don't, yeah, I mean, you're you're sad that they don't have like an emergency fourth line center that they might need that you and I could try out for. And just absolutely not even make past the application stage. No, I think when they saw us in our gear, they would be like, you guys need to leave. Yeah. Just the way we're standing would be like, no, (laughs) no, something's not right about the way you're walking right now. Please leave. They'd be like, Vardy, why don't you, why don't you give us a a racing stop on your left side? And I'd be like, and I'll show myself the door. Thanks. Yeah. Well played, sir. Well played. I will see you later. Checkmate. <laughs> Moving on. Exactly. So Vardy's up. Vardy's up to draft. Vardy's. I haven't been calling my drafts. I think I drafted uh, John Klingberg, and then I took Drew Doughty. So, by the way, Drew Doughty historically not a good fantasy pickup, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Yeah. Let me see what I'm gonna do here. Justin Schultz. Oh, I had him in my queue. Too bad. Too bad. So sad. Vardy stole. I hate you. Vardy's building from the net out, guys. The Kings have taught me, if they've taught me anything, it's build from the net out. So, so far we've gone Craig Anderson, Justin Schultz, Rasmister Stalinen. Good to go. Forwards are overrated. So preseason games, how many did you watch from the Kings? Okay. Uh, in, in their entirety, none. Wow. What a fan I mean, this guy I, is. It's been, it's been a rough week for me, guys. Give me a break. Between, between games in China... Um, games being canceled with, with Phoenix. Um, I was able to watch, I think if you combine everything I watched, I was able to watch one whole game. I was able to watch the third period of last night's game against Vegas. Um, which, which was a spirited affair, shall yeah. we say, but it's just nice to see a, a younger in some places and more inexperienced squad, uh, beat Vegas' squad, which was probably close to their full lineup with a lot of guys in there. And it was especially sweet seeing uh, the game-winning goal where uh, Alex Iafalo displayed some fantastic forechecking, um, pickpocketed the puck, and fed a pass to Brooks Lake, who almost did not score that goal, by the way. <laughs> I mean, Flurry, no, Pickard, Pickard came up with a fantastic paddle stop on a point-blank one-timer opportunity from Brooks Lake. And thank God the puck was still sitting there because... Man, oh man! Otherwise, the highlight would have been completely different. But kudos to Alex Iafalo for for really, I mean, displaying I think what you want to see from your younger guys who are really trying to make the roster for from to pickpocket from an from an experienced NHL defenseman. So I was able to watch that first China game. I saw a little bit of that second one, and I, I again, me too, bits and pieces here and there. But I gotta say, man, Amadio. I follow um, even Matt Luff. These guys look pretty good to me. Justin Auger, you could you could kind of see that they were really really pushing for a spot on the big roster, and you could see that they're really making a case. Uh, you know, the Kings prospect pool, the younger players. When you when you kind of look at it over the last few years, it doesn't look too promising. It hasn't looked too promising. You're wondering, okay, so the, you look at the Kings roster, they have all these you know, late 20s, early 30s guys, and then everyone else is just really young. You know, there's there's this gap. There's this age, gra- age gap where ideally you would bring these players up and you would have a bunch of 24, 23, 25-year-olds now playing on the team full-time. So there's a bit of a gap there, and that's probably the dark years of trading all our first-round picks, trying to reclaim a championship and all that stuff. But now I'm kind of excited to see, you know, these these kids that we've been investing in kind of show that they could play and, and that's that's my biggest takeaway i think from the preseason games that and and the power play looked really good i mean movement guys shifting positions uh seam passes guys going playing behind the net looking for one-timers in front constant kopitar was like moving his feet on the half wall which is I was very, very confused watching that, but it, it looked great, man. So that's that's if I could say my big takeaways from preseason is that you know happy to see the younger guys now showing that they belong, and, and the power play looked pretty good. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Um, movement and some of the some of the goals 
that they ended up scoring on the power play, especially. I'm, I'm so used to seeing the Kings passing being uh, perimeter. So it'll be from point down to the corner, back up to the corner, back up to the point, across to the other point. So it's all just perimeter and trying to like get the guys to move around. Um, and the whole time you're just screaming at the TV like for a cross pass or something through the slot or something like that. And um, the one example that, that clearly comes to mind is, is Kempe's goal where um, the feed, I believe, came from Muzzin going down from the point, almost down to the corner, and feeding it across the slot to Kempe, who had shifted to the left point and took a shot that went right into the opposite corner. Yeah. And and just movement like that and, and not even let's let's look beyond the fact that it was a great pass and it actually got through a bunch of sticks through the slot and it got to Kempe. But just knowing that they have the freedom and they're encouraged to even try passes like that. And plays like that that throw off the penalty killers, I think, are fantastic. Now, granted, it's a small sample size, and a good number of that sample size is against Vancouver, who everyone agrees is going to be objectively terrible this year. But I'm I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing, for sure. Yeah, encouraged is, I think, I agree. That's the right word to use there. Um, you mentioned Kempe. You mentioned Muzzin. Two guys I actually want to talk about. And their preseason okay. play. Uh, Jake Muzzin, obviously, after all the stuff we said about him, has had a really good camp and is, has had a really good preseason. And he looks, he looks solid. Uh, I don't know if, obviously, it's preseason. I'm not gonna, you know, send an apology letter to the Kings and Jake Muzzin yet about what we talked about. But and it really doesn't change what we talked about, to be honest. But he looks more comfortable if. I think that's the best word to use. He looks like he is a little more carefree the way he's playing. Uh, just his body language. And I know, again, small sample size, but it's encouraging, again, encouraging to see him uh, playing a little loose. And, and it seems like the looser he plays, the better he plays. He's He's been activating in the offensive zone, like the goal you just mentioned to Kempe. He was way down there. I think overall, all of the defense, uh, after a while, they're going to tell you that they feel like they don't have a leash on them, and they feel like they're being encouraged uh, to jump up into the play. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think, again, happy to eat crow if we're wrong about Muzzin because that, that answers a lot of questions um, and and solves a lot of problems for the Kings. Um, I think the freedom to move around, whether that was you know, whether that had to be expressly given to the players or whether it's just something now with a different coaching strategy, different offensive approach, and, and that being a very obvious thing that the Kings are trying to uh, implement this year, um, whether that actually existed before where they felt like they were leashed or, you know, they were going to be scolded for trying too hard on offense or something, I don't know. Um, but it is nice to see them having fun with it. I think, you know, as, as anyone who's actually played the game can tell you, it's a lot more fun when you just kind of do what instinctively comes to you and it works out. And I don't know how much of with the losing over the last couple of seasons, you start bearing down a bit. You'll hear that phrase a lot from players because they keep trying to get back to the fundamentals and keep back into a more structured play. And it's and sometimes it ends up being that losing breeds losing. You know, you just keep getting tighter. You keep trying to be more structured, keep being more structured. And then by the time you're done, you're not trusting your instincts at all. So I wonder if some of that had kind of slipped into uh, Muzzin's game, into some of, you know, in the entire team's game. And I'm hoping, you know, I think we've both made it very clear that our expectations for the season aren't, aren't particularly high. But I'm hoping that with that lack of expectation per se, and with that and that bit of freedom to get back to what was fun in in the game, that that'll lead to better results in the actual on ice uh, product as well. Yeah, and um, I agree totally. And and it looks like at a camp, it's Martinez and Muzzin pairing up once again. Uh, that I, right. <laughs> they're gonna, you know going back to that old well. Yep. The gift that keeps on giving, obviously. Um, so, which again, um, okay, that's fine because, you know, the, the kind of the feeling around camp and even in the off season is like everyone gets a redo. You know, everyone kind of gets a a second chance, except apparently Jordan Nolan. Uh, but that was kind of the feeling in the off season. That's kind of the feeling going into camp. Um, about Kempe, 
I really, yeah. really like him in, at center. Um, there's always been this kind of conversation, is he a winger, is he a center? But even last season when I saw him play, when I saw him attack the middle of the ice, uh, when they hit him on the breakouts and he was at top speed, you know, my mind immediately goes to this kid is a center. Uh, on top of his speed, on top of that that good look on the breakout up the middle, he's also a facilitator to me more than he is a goal scorer. So he's the type of player that I think is a good passer. I think he showed it a few times last season where I remember this one game where the Kings tried to make a comeback and he found Martinez twice, like in the last few mm-hmm. minutes. Good dishes, finding him in front, and the Kings made a game of it and all that. So I think he's capable of, of things like that. So I like him at center. Some people don't. But I think when you go... Kopitar, Carter, Kempe down the middle. That sounds a heck of a lot better than going Kopitar or going Kopitar, Carter, and Dowd or Shore down the middle. Uh, so I'm all for it. And if his wingers, uh, you know, there's talk of his wingers might be Camilleri and, and Gabrick, depending on which day you look at camp and all that. So it's an interesting feeling surrounding Kempe more than anyone for me of the young players right now. Yeah, and also, I mean, you have to kind of figure that he's our our highest-end prospect. I mean, it's nice to see Brodzinski being slotted into the top-line forward role and things of that nature, but um, Kempe's the one that we have the highest hopes for in a lot of ways. Um, Definitely. And it would be great. And it would be great if he could actually fill that role and bring a little bit of skill to that third-line spot that maybe you're not expecting out of a guy like uh, Nick Shore. Um, certainly Dowd has shown the ability to do that, but I don't think that he's going to have the, the high end, uh, ceiling that Kempe does. Now the question obviously is, can you fill that third line center role and all the responsibilities, including, uh, face off and defensive abilities? Um, so that, that remains to be seen. I think, I think Kempe more than anyone was probably, uh, not a fan of some of the crackdown that the NHL had implemented on, on the stick play and the slashing <laughs> rules. Because I mean, of that first, guy, that first like, game. Jeez. <laughs> and then even after that, even after that, on some of these like face-off draws, you know, he's trying hard to, to hold position in the face-off, and they're calling him on slashes on things that I don't think was, you know, looking at the replays, I don't think anyone would call that a slash in any level. But thankfully, the NHL kind of apparently sent a memo out to the refs, like, okay, you're, you're yeah. calling it a bit too tight. So hopefully, come regular season, that won't have to be something it worries about. Because otherwise, he's going to be in the penalty box like 150 minutes. You know, I might have to consider taking him for the fantasy team, given that we have PIMs as a category. Sleeper pick, man. Sleeper pick. No, but <laughs> yeah. overall, these rule changes is, and it's there's kind of been a buzz around them. Is that like Brad Marchand went off, you know, on on the faceoff rule? He was very vocal about how much he hated it because even the Kings, um, the first game where Campy took those four penalties. <laughs> I think there right. were 16 penalties in that game total. So yeah. it's kind of crazy to – it's like a shock almost, you know, to to what you're used to. But at the same time, you know, so they implement it and they're like, oh, we're now we're backing off on it. And, and that kind of annoys me too. It's like, okay, so you started it. Just just let it – just write it out, man. They, they will adjust to it. That's my feeling. I mean, I remember obstruction, right? Obstruction came out out of the lockout and everyone's like, this is ridiculous. Everything's obstruction. We can't play this way. Two months into the season, everyone realized, okay, I probably shouldn't be doing this stuff. So, right. so I'm not saying I, I like the initial rule. I kind of don't. But once you implement it, you just stick to the damn rule. I mean, it's not that now you're like, oh, well, just kidding. You know, we're back, back to normal. You know, <laughs> we just tried something. And that kind of annoyed me. It's not a big deal. I'm just saying, like, it, it, it's typical NHL stuff to me, which I'm not saying that as a positive. Yeah, it is. It is not easy. Now they're adding. They're trying to add more power plays. I think to the game. They're trying to open up the offense, and that's the that's the simplest, most direct way of doing things. Um, but you really do wonder, you know, at to what extent, right? Like how much how much are you willing to to do that and potentially ruin the game in a lot of ways? So I don't know. Well, I'm glad that they're that they're cutting back on it a bit. I'm not a big fan of a ton of penalties. I think it slows the game down. I think you should be allowed to some extent to do certain things. I, I certainly don't want 16 power plays a game. It's just ridiculous. At that point, what's the point of five on five hockey? In my opinion, you're, you're playing a, a period of, of, you know, five on four. It's, it's silly. Yeah, I agree. P.S. I drafted Bo Horvat 
for those. Yeah, I don't know how the hell you got him at number. What was it? Sixty nine. Jesus. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> sleep at the wheel on that one. Good <laughs> lord. All right. Um, I mean, he's gonna be a minus forever, but it's okay. Hey, he's he's gonna he's gonna score. So he'll put up sixty plus and get me some face offs. Daddy likes. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So let's talk about kind of the lines we're looking at for the Kings moving into the season. And again, like I said, depending which day you look, you watch camp or get a camp report, it looks like definitely Brown and Kopitar will be on the same line. The question remains, who's their other winger? Now, it looked like it was Camilleri, but recently Johnny Brodzinski has been moved up there. Maybe it's temporarily. And then you see Kempe with Camilleri and possibly Gabrick. So it's, I kind of like that third line. You know, I want, let's talk about the third line first. Again, you got two guys in Gabrick and Camilleri who are trigger men. Camilleri, a much more traditional trigger man where he's just like, just give it to me where I like it and I will probably score. Gabrick still can probably wheel, even though uh, that's been kind of deteriorating a little bit over the last few years but i think he could still wheel so and we just called can't be a facilitator so that's kind of i kind of like the mixture there with that line you know anytime you can take guys who you know have some offensive ability like camillary and gabrick and slot them into your third line granted they're not what they were in their 20s but i don't think they forget necessarily how to shoot i don't think they forget necessarily how to be um you don't lose instinct, right? It's just ability might be a bit challenged. But if you're expected to bring that ability for 14, 15 minutes a night as opposed to 19, 20 minutes a night in your mid-30s, I think you're more more and more capable. Um, and I like the idea of Brodzinski giving a shot, getting a shot on the uh, top-line wing. I think he's a guy who in the brief period of time that uh, we saw him last season, he showed some good offensive instinct. He showed a good shot. And if if some of the new offensive uh, coaching that we're attempting actually, you know, encourages him being in the slot, being ready to receive passes from Kopitar off the from behind the net, which apparently is a point of interest to uh, offensive coordinator Pierre Turgeon. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I had to give you. <laughs> that's okay. That's fine. <laughs> it's just funny to me every time. I can't, you know, offensive coordinator know. Pierre. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> And um, and again, I, I think, you know, and Brown, I, I sincerely hope for for his sake that he's able to kind of get back to that 40, 50 point form. I don't know if he if he can, but, you know, he's he's a good guy by all accounts who was who went through a lot of uh, issues and also, I mean, poor treatment in the public eye yep. at the hands of, of the prior administration that I don't think he really deserved. Uh, we've talked about that before for a contract that you know he was rewarded with. Um, so I really hope that he's, he's able to get back to that 40, 50 point uh, threshold and um, kind of goes from there. And the second line, I mean, you know, God bless the second line. They've they've just been doing fantastic from one season to the next. And if Pearson keeps up his upward trajectory and Jeff Carter continues to be the ageless wonder that he is, you know, at least we can always count on them pitching in and, and keeping the team afloat. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've always kind of had discussions like, should, um, oh, you're drafting. I am drafting. Oh, thanks for reminding me. You are welcome, buddy. Oh, I was about to take John Carlson, but there goes that. Um, let's see. <laughs> Andre Burakovsky. Interesting. I like it. It's a good pick. Sometimes I go off the wall like that. No, no, it's good because uh, they were going to give him Marcus Johansson's. Uh, position is what I hear, and he's giving you some flexibility with uh, left wing and right wing capabilities. That's really why I took him. Slotted. Honestly, it's that left right uh, flexibility. Those players always hold more value in fantasy, no matter Agreed. no matter what. I mean, Agreed. To have that option is always nice. But I've always said, like the second line, maybe you move to Foley up with Kopitar. Maybe let's give Pearson a look. But really, I'm fine with not touching that line. I mean. I think since the first game they were together, everyone was like, yep, that works. Let's just kind of keep it there. And with Toffoli, I think I expect a bounce-back season from him. He's just too good, man. He's too good not to, you know, reach the 20-goal mark again, 20-25, whatever it is. He's still young enough where, 
you don't have to worry about him, you know, taking a dip. You don't have to worry about age catching up or anything like that. In fact, he's just entering what you would call his real prime. So, yeah, I, I like that line. Let's keep it together. Please don't break it up. No one's listening to this, but still, I'm going to put it out there in the universe. But I, Yeah, that's a good approach. Just, you know, karma will, will carry it to uh, to fruition. How about those defensive pairings, though? Especially now with, with Gravel kind of being yeah, sent down. Yeah, the defense is interesting. Very, very, very interesting. So the top four is set just like it was last season. So really you're talking about five, six, and seven. That's where the real interesting battles, debates, what have you, begin in camp. And I think both of us kind of in our previous converse- conversations agree and think it's a slam dunk that Paul Ledoux is on the team as probably the right defenseman on that pairing. So that leaves two spots, and it's not going to be Gravel. <laughs> you know, starting out, it's not going to be Gravel. So you got 38-year-old Chris Lee, who's still hanging in there. And by the way, he looked good, man, the games I watched. He looked good. He looked smooth. He could still skate. I mean, I don't think he's going to make the team. However, if he was 28, I think he would be making this team. So I think it's yeah. strictly an age thing because he looks good out there. As does Oscar Fattenberg, uh, and as does Curtis McDermott, actually, who right. he's making he some noise now. He <laughs> scored last night. I mean, it wasn't the best goal, you know, in terms of <laughs> from a goalie's perspective, but, you know, he's kind of that guy who gives you a bunch of things. He gives you grit. He gives you toughness, intimidation. I'm Obviously, three things that maybe are moving away from the game, but still for now are are pretty prevalent and then obviously he's starting to become better offensively meaning moving the puck making the right plays putting on people's tapes uh tape and then he scored a goal like you said yeah and i think um i think one other person worth mentioning obviously is christian Follin, uh who the kings uh we've kind of mentioned the kings acquired him from minnesota um again in the brief sample size we saw he also had a goal he he took a, a nice uh, slap shot off of a loose puck um, that ended up being a goal. And I think he adds a bit of size uh, to the bottom pairing, which would be uh, something nice. Um, I agree. I think I think Paula do makes his team outright. I don't I don't see there being really much benefit to him being sent back down to the AHL. I think he's someone that the Kings are trying to groom to be the number two uh, D-man in the future. Um, and so I think it's best for him to be up playing in the in the big leagues, especially because he, he, I mean, he doesn't have any glaring issues in his game. He skates well. He's got offensive instinct. He's defensively well positioned. You just have to let this, yeah. And you just kind of let him develop all around, yeah. And so I think, um, I think really it's the number six spot that becomes a question because there's there's a fair possibility that you're going to see it one of Christian Fullen, Oscar Fantenberg, or Curtis McDermott, like you mentioned, making making the team. Maybe on that six seven slot, especially now that your incumbent in Kevin Gravel is no longer there, so you're going to have a couple new faces, I think, yeah. on the Kings' defensive back end. So realistically, two of those three would be on the team, right? Uh, because you need, or, that or s- maybe Chris Lee makes it. Or, <laughs> I mean, maybe oof. maybe he shocks the world. Hey, man, I'd be. Ha- I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he is a smooth player. Obviously, he was. He really caught my eye in that Anaheim game where the Kings were basically fielding their or icing their AHL team and. The Ducks had a bunch of NHLers in there, and the Kings kind of kept it close. But he was, man, he was moving it well. I mean, good find for the Kings, even if he doesn't make the team. That's a good PTO signing to me. So that's encouraging that the Kings kind of, you know, their PTO signings have, for the most part, shown you something. Uh, Andre Loktyanov, unfortunately, did not, apparently, because he was let go. As was Brandon Prust, which those two aren't really shocking to me but brooks like still kicking um i think i think with like it might be a bit more um i don't want to say mercy per se but you know he he had a bit of an injury and then the game at phoenix that he was going to be playing got canceled and so i think they just haven't seen enough of him to to really make a call about cutting him um i would be you know pretty surprised if he makes it but at the same time the kings don't have a whole lot of um, I guess I shouldn't say that, but the Kings, you know, they they don't have kind of an older guy. He would clearly be the the old statesman, 
uh, on the team if he you know what, if he kind of. You know what's it. funny? Is he younger than Camilleri? <laughs> oh, me! I really don't know. Possibly that's not that would be funny. Don't get me wrong, but what's funny is that earlier, I think it was today, uh, the mayor tweeted out that his projected lineup includes Brooks Like as the starting third line center, with Kempy on the left, and I believe it was either Camp, it was a Brodzinski on the right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's less inspiring. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, like, you know, I, I'm not saying he's always right, but, you know, he, he doesn't, knows what he, he's talking about. He, he doesn't just throw things out there uh, and see if it sticks. So, yeah, I'm going to have to give you a quick text when Brooks like makes this team. <laughs> just a real quick LOLZ like, you know? Like, well, something that's like okay. That. From everything I've heard, Brooks like is a. As a heck of a guy, um, veteran presence. Stuff. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm running out of adjectives, but sure, why not? <laughs> I, Again, our expectations are not sky high this season. We're right, just hoping right, for. Right. And it's also you have to realize that it's also one roster spot is being held for Gabrick essentially. So right. you know, it's it's nothing to be to react either way. You know, there's nothing really there. It, it is what it is, but it still be it will still be interesting. I mean, it has to me it has Devin Setaguchi written all over it, but well, I mean, whatever. It's a feel yeah. good story, man. Feel good story. We need one every year. We need something to feel good about because certainly can't guarantee <laughs> winning is going to be part of the process. Yeah, uh, yeah. So how's your? Hold on. Let's uh, let's let's shift gears. How's your uh, fantasy team looking? So hold on, I'm I'm up next. Well, I'm up in two picks, but right now I should say what my keepers were going into this, so people kind of understand. So I've had, we've had this league now for God, what's it been? Five seasons, six seasons now, something I like think that. Since 2012, yeah. Yeah, since 2012, and so I've had a lot of these guys since 2012. Uh, Joe Pavelski, Jamie Ben, Ovechkin, David Krejci. Um, PK Subban and Andre Vasilevsky were my six keepers. You were allowed six keepers, so that's what I started with. On top of that, I've picked uh, in order, I believe, Craig Anderson, um, Justin Schultz, Rasmus Ristolainen, um, Bo Horvat, and Kevin Hayes. So I need another right winger, another D-man, and then we got four bench spots going from there. So I'm, I'm actually pretty happy with how it's coming around right now. I like getting these sneaky players who fill dual position roles and then getting face-off wins and things like that out of them as well. That's smart. Um, I'm lukewarm on my team right now. Uh, my keepers were Crosby, Brandon Saad, Johnny Gaudreau, Wayne Simmons, John Gibson, Tuka Rask, The End. Those are my keepers. Um, and I ended up selecting Ricard Raquel, Matt Duchesne, who I took a chance on because I have a pretty good feeling is going to get traded very shortly here. I got Klingberg, Dowdy, Lucic. I got Andre Burakovsky and Mika Zabinajad, who I'm telling you, and I said this. That's in, a good pick, man. And, and I'm telling you, and I told you guys this in the Around the League in 80 Minutes episode, that I think he's going to have a big breakout season. Um, I, God, yeah, please I have think... a big breakout season, Mika. <laughs> Mika Zibanejad, I've been I've been a fan of for a few seasons now. He's he's a heck of a player, man. And I think, uh, I mean, with them having traded Derek Stepan, he's going to be their number one center. I think by all by all accounts. Yes, he is. I think it's that's a lock that he's going to be their number one center because name me the person who would take that yeah. position from him. Fine, fine, fine. I'll yeah. give you that. Yeah. So this guy was on my team last season too, and I think I was pretty happy with him overall. Kyle Palmieri. So let's see how he how he plays now with uh, Nico Heischer and and everyone on the on the Devils. That's Should a be good fun. Pick. Yeah, man, he's good player, and he's one of those good he players is. that where you're like, when did this guy become a good player? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, he was one of those guys. You're like, oh, it's just Kyle Palmieri. You know, I think he even bounced around a bit, didn't he? And then yeah. all of a sudden, like one season, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna be good. <laughs> I've decided it's Palmieri time. Yeah, I think he exactly. declared it. Exactly. Uh, man, Sam Gagne is really highly ranked by Yahoo, and I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. Well, he's coming off a good season. I get it, but 
he's not going to repeat Gagne. it. Don't get me wrong. He's number one. He's on Vancouver. Number two, Sam Gagne. So yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't bet the house on him repeating that season. Jeez, uh, let's see what else we got cooking here. I think these are the rounds where you take flyers on really, really young players. You know what I mean? And and you just kind of see if something happens. Yeah, I agree. I think I got my eyes on someone provided uh, our buddy here doesn't doesn't pick them. But I'm waiting. What position? Patient. Uh, it's another center right wing combo. Mm. Who is it? Who is it? Let's, let's, Gotta love those combo uh, picks. I don't have a pick, so you don't have to worry about me stealing. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, it's Charlie Coyle. Charlie Coyle, yes. Another under-the-radar 35-40 point guy. You you know how many points Charlie Coyle actually put up last season? I'm going to be wrong, aren't I? Probably. <laughs> what is it? 56 points. Yep. I was going to be wrong. And in, in the preseason, apparently he's been playing 20-plus minutes a night. So go! F- you got to be kidding me! Yep, there you go. <laughs> We're not live, are we? Are we live? Is he? Is he? God, <laughs> am I being hacked? They took his pick. They took Charlie Coyle Man. right before him. Right pick number ninety-nine. Yeah. Sorry, Fine, buddy. Then. Sorry. Fine. Man, why is Pierre Edouard Bellamare so highly ranked? I don't understand that at all. <laughs> What the hell is going on? I'm sorry, that's really funny. What the hell? He's like ranked above like legit players, man. It's kind of ridiculous. All right, fine. Elias Lindholm. There you go. Carolina. That's a good pick, man. It's I don't an, know. He's another center right wing. I had him last year. He'll be another 40, 50 point guy. Maybe even better if Carolina actually plays as well as we think they're going to this season. Oh we'll my see. God, someone took Thomas Vanek. <laughs> It was the boomerang. (laughs) Come on, boomerang. You're better than that. Oh, he's hoping for some magic with the Sedines. Oh, good old boomer. Oh, the magic is gone, boomer. Sorry. Um, Anyway, let's let's talk about something here. Um, Has anything in the preseason, Vardy, made you any more optimistic about the Kings' chances of making the playoffs? No. No. Honestly, it, it again, I'm encouraged by the play I see. It it makes me feel like I'll be able to watch 82 games a lot more pleasantly than I did last season, which is nice. Um but I just I just don't think that they have enough to overcome um first of all what the Western Conference not so maybe not so much the Pacific but the Central Division, right? Cuz we discussed yeah. this that that both of the the wild card spots are pretty much, we feel, going to go to teams from the Central Division. There's just too many good teams in that division. So you're looking at the Kings vying for one of three top spots, okay? Add the complication now that Vegas is also in the Pacific Division. So now you have, what is it, eight teams vying for three spots? Not that I think Vegas is going to challenge for a playoff spot per se, but it adds a wrinkle. It adds another random team that could possibly beat you or can be beaten by the other teams ahead of you for points. Um, And so we discussed that you still have Anaheim, Calgary, and Edmonton ahead of you. The only thing, you know what I I will say, the one thing that does make me a little more optimistic about the possibility of the Kings sneaking in is just how many injuries the Ducks are going to have to deal with. Boom, baby, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's it. That's the only thing. Because with Ryan Kessler being out for what seems like at least a third, if not half of the season, if not more. Um, They're saying Christmas a, minimum. So yeah, that's... and he's got a long injury history too, and he's not a spring chicken. So I wouldn't count on him bouncing right back in there and getting in in January and being in top form like he was last season. So you take that, you take the two uh, defensemen um, with Vatanen and um, I'm, Lindholm. I'm blanking them. Lindholm, thank you. I just drafted Lindholm, different Lindholm. But um, you take both of those guys kind of coming off some injuries as well and not being able to immediately jump in and play, plus Corey Perry, you're not really sure if he's going to be able to jump back in. I think there's some question marks there in the form of injuries. And so maybe that sets them back enough for the Kings, if they can start hot, to, to build enough of a cushion and actually make the playoffs. I think that's the only way. 
that's my mentality as well. Um, the by the way, I just drafted Charlie McAvoy. Nice. Went off the board a little bit, but no, that's, that's okay. That's my mentality as well. It's it's can the Ducks struggle long enough, and the King can the Kings start hot enough for there to be some real separation? Because you know the balance. You know, it's coming no matter what. That team's going to get good again. They're going to get healthy again, and they're going to get back to their winning ways. So, to me, the, it's a little more optimistic. I think the Kings' chances of making the playoffs are slightly more now. Uh, I don't feel like anything's a lock. I don't feel like my entire outlook on the season has changed or anything like that, but I do feel a little more optimistic. Um, again, given the injuries, and then I think Vegas is going to give the Pacific some tough games, and I know that you know, that doesn't bode well for us either, but that might actually end up helping us depending on how things, you know, happen. You never know what's going to happen in the game, but Vegas, and I know it's only preseason, but they don't look like, you know, they're ready to no, be trampled on at all. <laughs> they, they look like... I, I agree. No, they don't look like a punching bag at all just yeah. watching them play. Thomas Heike, former Kings property... <laughs> is lighting it up right now and he looks fast and he looks good and i know again it doesn't mean anything yet but i mean it's got to be they got to feel good about what they're seeing so far from that team um they look fast they look like they're having fun and hopefully they could surprise every team in the pacific except the kings so that's it for us. Uh, this was one of our faster ones, Vardy. This was one of our shorter ones. But I think we're just eager to get it started at this point. I think we're eager for the season to start. Preseason is wrapping up. Like we said, we've you know kind of analyzed this team to death, what went wrong, why we feel the way we feel. But now it's time. Let's just drop the puck. Let's drop the puck and let's do this. I agree. It's exciting times. And hopefully you know, we get to do frequent episodes like we're planning to do during the regular season. Um, until then, keep the reviews coming. We appreciate all the input. We appreciate tweets. And we certainly appreciate you subscribing and letting us know what your thoughts are. That's right. So follow us on Twitter at the Bannerman Pod. Visit us on our website, BannermanPodcast.com. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, any and every way you can listen to a podcast, you can find the Bannerman. Thank you very much. And next time we see you, it's going to be the real deal hockey season.